Welcome to the Wardrobe Muse, helping you dress from the inside out. Visit lastwardrobe.com, L-A-S-S wardrobe.com. Here's your host, Lisa. Hi, it's Lisa Ann Santin, holistic wardrobe stylist. And I just love working with women to identify their, their authentic self um, through their clothing. And then we craft and maintain a simple wardrobe that reflects who they truly are and that works for their lifestyle and is sustainable. So that leads me to introduce my guest today. I have Jared Carpenter here today, all around great guy from Beverly. There's so many ways I can describe him. Uh, Peace Corps guy, um, international affairs, master's degree, founder and shirt designer. And I'm just going to shut up and let him take over. And he's going to tell you a little bit about his story and why he's here today. All right. Thank you, Lisa, for the for the wonderful intro. It's great to be here. So I guess maybe I should start at the beginning of Imperador and yes. how we got going. Yeah. Okay. So that was in the winter of 2017. It was around January of 2017. And I was feeling that I wasn't doing enough for the United States and I wasn't involved enough locally. Um, locally, I guess, defined by, we'll use the national level of the United States. And I really wanted to do something because for most of my adult life, I had spent time learning and then engaging in Latin America, uh, specifically Guatemala, Colombia, through the Peace Corps and through other nonprofit and social enterprise work. And so I was really feeling like, you know what, this country's going through some, it's going through a revolution, if not an evolution, and I want to do something. And so that kind of just came out in many different ways. And it ended up being uh, Imperador clothing. Imperador uh, is Spanish for emperor. So it's kind of like the emperor's new clothes. That's kind of what I was going for. It's a little hidden message. Some people see it. And um, the whole idea of the clothing line is to speak truth to power. Um, and when I started, I wasn't really sure what I was, what I was going to do. I just knew that I wanted to share a positive message and that's how it kind of morphed into clothes. I went through all these iterations of things I could do, a blog, a creative journal, invite some of my creative friends to be a part of it. Um, I spoke with my father and some of the other, uh, friends that I have from, um, Parsons School of Design in New York. I got my master's of international affairs there. Um, and I met a lot of friends in the fashion industry. Um, and so they really, um, kind of inspired me to think along those lines and using fashion to speak truth to power. So then I, I landed on our Bridges Not Walls t-shirt, which is which a great I shirt. am wearing, by the way, and love. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's it was our key. It was our it's our like it's our it's our iPhone, I guess you could say. Um, it is the design that kind of set this thing all in motion and put us on the stage. And um, to this day, people out of the fifty states. 30 states have bought Bridges Not Walls tees. Excellent. Um, and there was actually a guy from Saudi Arabia who bought one. And I said, are you sure you want me to send it there? The shipping is going to be astronomical. And he said, yeah. So he, he paid the shipping. And so Love that's it. a, and, and that's also a shout out that, that we can go international. It's just, you have to deal with the shipping. But the Bridges Not Walls really came from my identity as a, as a person who was born in Colombia, raised on the North shore, feeling the binationality and then seeing, you know, what the relations are between the United States and, and Latin America and trade, uh, but more specifically the immigration issues. So the bridge is not walls. Um, and then ironically, I don't know if it's ironic, but I actually created, I don't know if you know this, Lisa, I created that image on Google draw. 
And so all my design friends who all pay Photoshop and all that, they still think I'm a hack and that's fine um, because I am. But, you know, I had an idea and I wanted to get it out to the world that's and it just cool. kind of happened. Um, and you can do a lot with Google Drive. Um, you can like literally start your own company with Google Drive. I've done it now a couple of times. And so that was done with Google Draw one night, just copy and pasting, you know, the bricks, copy and pasting a bunch of vertical lines and then layering them and then putting in all the other the horizontal parallel lines and same for the bridge. Now the bridge is kind of a mix of the San Francisco and the Brooklyn bridge. I just lived in Brooklyn recently and the Brooklyn bridge is a fascinating, not only architectural marvel, but it also does connect people, right? That's what bridges do um, and walls divide. So that is kind of how we got started. And so while you're listening to us, like hop on Instagram to see a, an actual like person wearing this thing. Yes. Yes. While you're listening to us, hop on Instagram at uh, Imperador Clothing on Instagram. And our website actually is ImperadorClothing.com. We have that domain. But we also have Wear Change Now, Wear, W-E-A-R. Um, and we use that. That I, I found that Imperador wasn't always easy to, mm. if someone was like, hey, where'd you get that shirt? Or, oh, I like your shirt. I totally get that. It's a Spanish word. It's not even used often in Spanish. Um, it's a rare word. So we also got the domain where change now, which definitely helps. Um, and that's kind of like our hashtag too. So you can use hashtag where change now to see some um, pictures of not only from our account, but other people wearing um, our clothes. And um, yeah, I can guess that's how we talk about how you actually get it made. Yes, that's let's do that. sustainable piece. Your ethos around um, environmentally responsible fabric. And tell us a little bit about your partner, their zero waste process, you know, ethical clothing. I started this as kind of like an ideological statement on a t-shirt, you know, that just is about compassion and sharing love and finding the difference and realizing that, you know, diversity is beautiful and it makes us stronger. But it really morphed into, with our production partner with Tonelay, into an ethical clothing uh, endeavor or, or road, I guess you could say. I knew I wanted to do t-shirts and then I started to look into t-shirts and I realized I didn't just want to use custom ink because this isn't a kickball tournament. This isn't like my grandmother's 90th reunion. It's something a little bit more unique. And I think that with my studies uh, in international affairs and just thinking about the world, I knew that whatever I wanted to create, it had to be good for the planet and not just good for the planet, it had to be good for the people. My generation is really, really about, it's not just like the cool brand you're wearing. It's like, no, what does that brand stand for? And if it stands for nothing, you can go down a rabbit hole, but then you kind of are maybe not excited as you would be once you know. Um, and so I reached out to Tonle. Tonle is great. They're out of San Francisco, but they do almost all their production comes from Cambodia. And the way that they make their shirts is they basically go into the garment districts where there's all these leftovers, they pick up all the scraps, they bring it home and they make stuff. So every single one of our shirts is really unique. And I guess I'll dive a little bit deeper on that and say that in a batch of 30 shirts, for example, in our cream color, for example, there may be three or four different cream colors within the overall cream because they went and they were only able to get, you know, 10 of this particular color, 10 of this color, 10 of this color. So every single one of our shirts um, has come all the way from another part of the world, like most of our clothing. But it's, it's not only using upcycled fabrics that didn't end up in a landfill or didn't end up uh, in the ocean, but the most important thing for me, I think, is yes, the fabric, but also that all the people who work for Tonelay, all their team members are about 50, 55 team members. They're all really empowered. They're treated well. They're paid well. Um, and they're just excited to go to work. 
And you can see this if you go to the Tolnay website and there's pictures on our website. If you go to the about section, um, there's pictures actually from the factory of them uh, making our tote bags, which say planet over plastic. But that is really, really important because I think our generation, when I say my generation, I just think the world in itself, and this isn't just an ageism thing. I think everyone now is waking up to the fact that we have to consume in a conscious manner and that will manifest itself in many different ways. But every day we're going to wake up and we're going to make choices about what we do, whether we eat, you know, what cars we choose to drive, if we choose to drive cars. And I think clothing is such a ubiquitous thing that oftentimes we forget about it, but we're all wearing clothes. I'm pretty sure if you're listening to this podcast, you're wearing clothes. Um, and it's important to think about, you know, where those clothes come from. Um, and, and who made them. And who made them. Before I met Jarrett, I had bought a piece of this clothing at a local store in Burlington, Mass. And each hang tag on the garment comes with the name of the person in Cambodia who actually produced your garment. So you're connected to that person. Um, I then met Jared and found out he was using this as his production partner and I was so jazzed. And I own a couple of pieces from them and I just love that every piece in the collection is truly one of a kind because of that product, that, that fabric reuse. You can't it's not machine made. It's not coming off this huge conveyor belt. Yeah, totally. And I, and I think that that is, um, every piece is really re unique. And I love that Tony does that. And they'll put the name of the person who, who worked on the garment on their tag. And actually I'm going to work with Rachel to see if we can also have that. Cause I know how much value that would add to each one of our garments. I have the hang tag for my last sweater and, and you at kept this it. podcast and I kept it. I just love it. It's like, there's the person and their tagline is every thread matters. It's just, it's amazing. It's amazing that they're using scrap. It's amazing that they are doing fair wage and good working conditions and then acknowledging the individual team member. Yeah, by totally. name. Yeah, creating space and creating visibility for for workers is such a big part of, of ethical fashion. Um, and you know, you can see that on Tony's website. Like I said, we have pictures on our website of of, of what the um, of what the factory floor, what you would call not the factory, the, the the production line, the production fl floor, the way they work in individualized teams. There, it's so beautiful, and that is really you know, I started as like an ideological statement. Oh, I want a cool T-shirt that says you know that it shares love in some sense, but it really has turned into that. And and I've seen that a lot in the community that follows us on Instagram and the people that buy. They're a community that's really into ethical clothing uh, and everything that that stands for, right? It's just for the planet. It's for the people because people want to be empowered when they wear clothes uh, and they want to feel, you know, it's good to put on a shirt and be like, you know what? I know that the person who made this is, is getting a fair wage, is able to support their family. That's super, you know, that's important. It's um, voting with your dollars. It's what we talked about in episode two when we brought in a stylist who shared her five top brands that are sustainable that she loves. This was not in there, interestingly enough. So, uh, but you know, she was giving us that framework and this is a great follow on to that. Yeah, that was, that, and I, I also listened to that episode and that, that was a great episode. I made I Jarrett listen before he came today. I got, I had to do my homework and, uh, that was, a, that was a really great episode and she touched along a lot of things and the idea of voting with your dollar, you know, a lot of times I think there's an idea of, well, the world is this way. Well, what can I do? Um, but if everyone moves a grain of sand, then that's a lot of beaches. Exactly. And, and so one small act at yeah, a time. And even just having a conversation about it, you know, Hey, I saw that you bought this, you know, why did, why did you choose to buy that? Oh, because of this, this, and this, 
I think it's good not to, and, and I need to work on this a lot myself. I'll, I'll be honest because oftentimes I get triggered when I see people and they bought stuff and I'm just like, you know, that's, I'm, I'm working through that myself as a mm -hmm. business owner. And this is aside from Imperador, but with Imperador, it's, it's been beautiful to see the transition as we've, we've kind of gone from an ideological company into more of a, an ethically driven company. It was always ethically driven at the beginning, but it's really kind of come full circle that many of the people who buy our clothes reach out and they say, we're so glad that you're doing this because you're giving, you know, props to Tonelay. You're creating more exposure for them. Um, you're bringing the, the conversation of ethical fashion into, you know, into even the political arena or the ideological arena exactly. around how we treat ourselves. Cause it really is at the forefront of that. You know, I think it's the intersectionality of the world we live in. Everything's intersectional. So if you have a shirt that, you know, says like, let's save the whales and it's made by a certain company that pollutes the world, it, it, it doesn't sit well with me. It really doesn't even make sense. Right. So, and I think that that is why I feel, you know, I'm really, I'm really excited about the brand that, that, that's been created because it's so wholesome and it's so holistic in nature, every piece of it. And so. mention the 10% that you were able to turn over from the proceeds of the sales, because I think that's another piece that's just Amazing. Yes, that's another piece that's also brought another community into into people getting interested in about what we're doing. So 10% of the Bridges Not Walls tees and the Imperador tanks go to the ACLU um, to support. And I'm pretty sure it's still specifically supporting the, the immigration work that they're doing because you know, in the last couple of years, they have a lot of work to do. They're on the border. They're in different cities advocating um, for, 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 for people's rights, which is really, which is really great. If you don't know about the ACLU, check them out. Um, but they're basically an organization that's out there to protect people's uh, constitutional rights. And I think that they're also in an interesting place too, because the constitutional rights they're, they're, they're kind of getting slammed like a Venn diagram into the human rights framework, um, and especially in a globalized world that we work and live in, especially in the United States. That, that's been really interesting to see what they're doing with that. But yeah, 10% of the t-shirts, bridges, not walls, and the tank do go to the ACLU, which is great. And our tote bags planted over plastic, I'll give a shout out right here to Fort Ocean. If you don't know Fort Ocean, they're uh, started by a, a a couple of people that are from Florida and they're out cleaning up the oceans. And I actually just did a beach cleanup with them, uh, Rockaway beach, uh, oh, in Brooklyn. And I met the, one of the, you know, one of the co-founders. And so we're thinking about sending some proceeds to them. Um, because the whole idea of planet over plastic, that idea was came directly from the totes, um, from a, a documentary that I saw, um, called the plastic ocean which also dovetails with the idea that on Netflix, there's so much you can learn about this and the true cost is another one. If you haven't seen it and you're just Amazing. getting into the ethical space, it's, you know, it, it lays things out. Um, it's good. It just gives a lot of information, which is great. Yeah. I think the true cost is a must must see if you're buying anything in the clothing sphere, you just need to be aware. It's not to guilt anybody, but really be aware that a small change can make a huge impact five small changes can make even bigger. And we just keep growing at one small change at a time. A lot of communities are banning plastic bags and those single use bags. So your product is like timely. It's, it's now. It really is. And actually when we had, I just sent off the design 
to Tonley, to Rachel, to, to start to get, you know, as we were in that process, I got a letter in the mail from the city of Beverly saying, you know, you're a small business, just so you know, starting next year, no more plastic bags. So it was almost like the universe aligning there on that. And um, yeah, you know, whole countries are now going single use, uh, no, no single use plastics, which is great. Um, as, as you know, I think the world is becoming, like I said, more and more conscious. This is an age thing. This is for everyone to start to figure out how we can live and consume um, and thrive in a more conscious way. And I love the fact that we're doing these things even in Beverly, which is, you know, not a huge urban community. It's, it's a sleepy little suburb. And so again, it speaks to one small change at a time. You can make change no matter what community you live in. Yeah, totally. And in, in Beverly, the uh, the Beverly Depot, I go there a lot for for breakfast. And I worked with uh, one of the owners there. And there's a little plaque and Imperador Clothing helped to get that plaque on the wall. And it's to reduce straws. So they no longer give straws. If you want a straw, you can get it. But they no longer give straws out. Um, because, you know, it's simple math. If they use 100 straws a day, multiply that by 365, that's a lot of straws. So if we can even cut down on half of that, if not more than that, then that's huge. And so what, what, like whatever it is that you can do um, is really great. Yeah. Buy your $5 glass straw around town. And I see you have, I see it. you have your yep. glass straw. Yeah. I very nice. Um, very nice. For five bucks, you know, you've got endless, endless use. Endless straws. So give us a little bit more, you know, you've traveled a lot. Give us a little bit more about that perspective, that more global perspective, because some of us don't leave you know, our communities and travel. Yeah. So I'll try to make a, I'm going to try, I'll try to make a, a link between that and ethical fashion. But I just think that if everyone right now in the back of their shirt or, you know, in their pants or wherever in their shoes, you're going to look and you're going to see a country and there's a good chance it's not the United States. The United States post-World War II, I think we had like 50% of, you know, manufacturing and now it's like less than, I don't even know. It's a, it's a, it's a digit percent. It's really tiny. Um, and so we, we no longer produce a lot, right? We've outsourced all this because it's cheaper and efficiency and labor markets and econ and all that. And so, so much of what we interact with comes from the rest of the world. And I think that there's a huge leap that kind of has to be made. Like, oh, wow, this shirt was made in this country. For example, a lot of t-shirts are made in Guatemala and I've lived there off and on now for many years of my life. And the shirts come from the Golden Triangle, the uh, Guatemala, Salvador, and Honduras, because companies will go down there and they know that the situations are desperate. And they know that if they're offering anything that's better than nothing, um, and people don't always work in the best, uh, you know, in the best circumstances. Um, and so whenever you're, whenever you're in a, in a, in a place where you're just getting the lowest job in the totem pole, it's really, it's really not something that, that, that's great. And I think that knowing that, uh, can really allow people to, you know, think more in actionable about ethical fashion. Like I'm going to do this because you know what, that shirt was made in said country. And one of my friends, you know, his family is from that country. He lives in that country. You know, we lived in such, such a globalized world within the seven degrees of Kevin Bacon. We all know someone from some country. If you watch the world cup and you think hard enough, we all know someone who knows someone from that country or is married to someone from that country, travels to that country or works in that country, etc. And so I, I think on a, on a more global, on a more global level, the local action of choosing to buy something ethical, choosing to go to Tonelay, choosing to buy from Imperador, um, choosing to buy from any of the, um, I, I don't remember the name of the company that was outlined uh, where they have the, the jewelry from Africa. Yes, yes, I think it was Seco. Yeah, 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 yeah Seco or Soko or something like so that. So you know you're, where yeah. it's coming from, even though it's coming from abroad, it's coming 
with a really good story. You yeah, it's coming trace. from, exactly. It's something that you feel good about and you know that the story is behind it, which is really adding value to the piece of jewelry. Um, so whatever it is, you know, the idea that you can, that especially in the United States, because we consume so much, that all of our decisions have a global influence, I think is a really powerful idea. Um, and if you just like say that, or you know, say that out loud. So next time you're in the, you know, you're, you're in your grocery store um, and you're thinking about buying something, really thinking about the, the, the you know, the, the, the influence that that has, because it is a butterfly effect. We consume so much in this country that everything kind of, it's the butterfly effect. I don't really know yes. how to say it much better than that. And Jared and I were talking before we got in the studio about my work as a stylist is really about getting people to use what they already own. So there's where you can make your biggest impact. Don't buy all these things that you don't really need. Look at your motivation for buying what space in you is it filling and try to fill it in a more uh, sustainable way with something that's not coming from halfway across the world. So just looking at what we already own, what's in our closet, what can we capitalize on that we've already invested in? And then when we do need to add things in, picking and choosing the brands with a lot of mindfulness and a lot of... uh, thought behind what you're what you're buying also buying secondhand keep that whole thing out of the landfill keep everything circulating yeah totally i mean i'm still surprised that people go and buy full price things and buy things um today because if you go to if you go to savers i'm gonna shout out to savers uh, or you go to your your local thrift store or whatever there's just gems straight gems everything i have on was from a thrift store um i got these new i got these new chuck taylor's there were 10 bucks. Normally they're like 50 bucks. They were just sitting there. Somebody just didn't want them. You know, we throw out things all the time that we get and we never use. Uh, and so if you think about all the other people doing that, there's stuff for you at your local thrift store um, to definitely go get. And, and I think, you know, being thinking of ethical clothing really goes along with what you're trying to do, you know, with going in and empowering, empowering people to be able to wear what they already have. Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote my friend Jason. He said once, you know, he said, it's more important to have stuff than to be in style. And so that's the idea that like everyone has their own uniqueness and just be that. And that's more important than like buying the latest thing that's on a mannequin. Um, it's true. It, yeah, it's true. I was asked to potentially speak to a hundred women about trends for the season. And I actually had to decline the invitation because I don't support trends. It doesn't make sense. It's part of the problem. I support you create your own authentic signature style starting with what you already own. So she was a little aghast that I wouldn't (laughs) actually come and talk about that. And I gave her a lot of other options. I can talk about sustainable fashion or reducing your footprint, but I I really can't support trends because that's part of what we're fighting against, if you will. Yeah. And I mean, the true cost will go into this, so I don't want to like go into too much, but you know, we used to have like four seasons. Um, and I worked actually at a fast fashion place out of college. I worked at Zara quickly for about six months and the stuff that I was exposed to was crazy. The turnover there, the fact that you can go from design to on the product globally in a month is shocking. People also call ethical fashion slow fashion because it takes a long time. We went through with the men's t-shirts for the bridges, not walls. We went through five iterations of fit till we got it right five iterations. So it took about four or five months to get it right. Um, so whenever anything that you're consuming, um, 
comes from, you know, if you learn that it comes from design to the, to the retail floor in a really quick time, that seems unreasonable in a time where you couldn't do like a sixth grade science project, that's probably not good. Um, you know, if you're getting a t-shirt at a store and it's $5, you have to ask yourself, who's you know, suffering? yeah, who's suffering. And I actually worked with some local high school students recently and, and, and we were going through this, you know, and I was just talking, I said, you know, tell me how much you want to make on this shirt. Okay. Now talk to me about your overhead. Great. Now talk to me about shipping. Great. How in the world are you going to get a $5 t-shirt, you know, shipped to you with no, with no shipping? I'll tell you, people are hurting. The planet is hurting. You know, you're, you're, you're trashing the planet and you're not, you're not empowering people, you know? Um, and so it's really quite wild. And how yeah. did the youth receive that message? I'm curious how impactful that was. They, they, they probably received it better than maybe like some of my friends would receive it because they're so in it. And then most of the youth that I've been, you know, talking with, and I've just, I was just working in the New York school systems with seventh graders. They're more well-versed on climate change than most of my friends are, because I think that they realize that that's their future. Like they're so hyper aware of it. Mm-hmm. And, and so they have to know because it really is going to affect them. And that's not to say my friends, my friends are also well-versed, but it's more to say that it is, no, it's, it's better to say that there were way more, they're way more well-versed about climate change and, and things that are affecting their lives um, than I was at that age because it wasn't, social media wasn't around. Right. I didn't have Netflix. I couldn't go binge some documentary. I, I was told to watch. I didn't have Facebook where I get all this stuff coming to me. But I just also think that it's a lot more real for them. And the idea that you can, you know, really change the world is, I think growing up, that was what they always told you, but I think now kids can. Right. There's the, they have a hopeful yeah. approach to and, it. And they know that, you know, they, was it the kids, and I know we're going a little off topic, but it's fascinating. Um, the kids from Parkland, they started Twitter and they get, millions of kids to walk out of high school. The woman Greta, I believe she's Swedish. Mm-hmm. She's not even a woman. She's a girl. She's 12. She's speaking at the UN saying, stop taking my future. Um, and that all started over social media. Um, and I think that that's been an interesting journey too, as a, as a, as an entrepreneur is seeing social media, not as just a place where I go to see what my friends are up to, but seeing how powerful it can be um, to launch brands and create movements and get people excited and expose people. Um, I think a lot of people, myself included, I'm exposed to so much more about ethical fashion through Instagram. Um, Just, you know, people will reach out and say, Hey, we love what you're doing. Can we, can we collaborate? And it's like, wow, I didn't even know. I didn't even know that was a thing. I didn't know you could take a plastic bottle and make it into like a dog toy or something. And so it's a great tool for learning and sharing and, um, just getting a wider spotlight on it. Yeah. You will. I mean, I'm trying to source locally. I, I, I style and curate closets on the North shore and beyond. So I got to start here first. I've tried to curate and find options for people making clothes right here in this area. And I found three. Oh yeah. I found one in Beverly. I found one in Manchester by the sea and I found one in Marblehead and I'm taking clients there and saying, we are going to create your outfit. The three of us. I'm the stylist. You're the person who's going to wear it ultimately. And these are the seamstresses. And the three of us are going to create a made to measure garment for you. That's frankly, not that much more expensive than buying it at, at a little bit higher end store. You know, that's that. And and that, and that is the way I assume 
that the United States used to be. And That's I only exactly the way the US right? used you to wa- be. You wanted a suit, you went down, you picked out the 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 telas, the the mm-hmm. fabrics, and you did it because that's the way the rest of the world still works. And you know, in Guatemala, a lot of uh, when people finished off the Peace Corps, they would go get suits here that would be maybe a thousand, fifteen hundred bucks, but they get it there for about one hundred and fifty bucks. But you go to somebody, they tailor it perfectly, they're measuring everything, they're going to put it together, they're going to find the fabrics. It's a great way to you know invest in the local economy. Yeah. Um, to also keep that going. So I'll put that in the script notes, uh, the three resources I found. They happen to be all female and working mostly with female, but there's no reason they can't cut a suit for a a gentleman. So Yeah, or make a shirt um, or something. It's right here, but people don't know about it. Yeah. It's hard for the small person to get the word out. So, you know, these conversations really, I think, shape uh, options for people that they didn't even know existed. Totally, totally. And, you know, I was just reading a book that kind of goes along with this that I think uh, was Phil Knight's shoe dog. Phil Knight is the guy who created Nike. Mm. Um, And when he started, I think the book starts in like the 60s, maybe, yeah, in the 60s. And at that time, the idea of going to, he went to Japan to get some, some runners, some trainers. But that, at that time for what he did, it was, it was insane. He had to get on a plane and go over and talk to people in a factory in Japan and learn all that. I could just get on Instagram right now and I could talk to somebody in Tonle, you know? So the world is small. So if you, if you have an idea and you're, and you're thinking about ethical fashion and maybe you're inspired to do something, um, you can just do it. You know, um, when I, when I read that book, it's like, wow, you know, I was able to do this with sending a couple emails and getting all the way to a factory in Cambodia, you know? And so the world is much smaller. Um, and so with that, our, our impact is much greater and it's just really important to make sure it's a positive one. So, yeah. And I think the, the voice of reason has to start prevailing. Uh, we, we have to become less selfish and more aware because it's all changing around us at such a rapid uh, rate. Yeah. And Instagram can educate you pretty quickly. Netflix can educate you pretty quickly. So it's empowering people to get that information. Yeah. And then it's not just once you have the information, then it's what do you do? Right. Cause we all know, you know, certain things about like, maybe you shouldn't smoke, but people still smoke, et cetera, et cetera. So it's definitely also about just like taking that step. And I think, I don't know, I get a lot of, I get a lot of pleasure of going to a secondhand store knowing I'm looking for this and I find it. Um, cause you'll find it, you know, when you're putting that out in the universe, you're going to find it, whatever that is. Um, and you're also going to save some money. And I know for my generation, that's really important. And I think that that's where minimalism and Marie Kondo, um, and you know, what you're trying to do, people need some money in their pocket. Uh, whether it's the mortgage, whether it's the student debt, it's like, don't go buy that. You already have it. Or if you're going to buy it, don't spend $30. You can spend $2 and go buy it from a, you know, from a, from a secondhand place that will put it back into like the community. Cause they do most secondhand places do awesome stuff for community. It's amazing to me when I'm in a, a closet and currently I only service women. Um, so I'm in their closet and there's just a lot of product in there with tags still on it. And it's my job to educate people. This looked like such a great deal when you were standing in the discount store and the lights are bright and the color is great. It's the wrong shape, the wrong size, the wrong fit, the wrong color, but it was calling to you. Mm -hmm. And you now have 20 or 30 pieces like that that are in your closet that you've never used. How many, how many, how many pieces of t-shirts, let's just use t-shirts because they're pretty ubiquitous. How many t-shirts do you think you find better yet. How many t-shirts do you think you use on a weekly basis? 
I guess what I'm trying what I'm trying to get down to is how many how many t-shirts do you think Lisa can survive on for her life? Just having in rotation, solid t-shirts. T-shirts you're excited about, like maybe the one you're wearing, but just not walls. I would say five. Five, right? Mon- Monday through Friday. Uh, that's it. Five. So, and, and, and I, you know, it's funny when I was at the farmer's market in Beverly last year, this guy, this guy came up and he's like, Hey, I want one of those shirts. I was like, okay, cool. Like, let's get you one of the shirts. What size are you? Okay. And he's like, I got, I got a lot of t-shirts. I got a lot of t-shirts. I got a lot of t-shirts. And I'm like, well, are you going to wear this shirt? Cause I really want you to wear this shirt. And, and so I think he, you know, he ended up, bought, he ended up buying the shirt, but I like, I had a verbal commitment with him. That was like, if you buy this shirt, you have to donate three shirts. Can you do that? And he said he would do it because I think it's so important. You know, a metric of seeing my shirt at a local secondhand store would be the most bittersweet moment of my life. Cause it would be like, there's so many out there that people are secondhanding them, but somebody also secondhanded it, you know, somebody also, you know, handed it up to someone else who needs it. So, um, I, I guess that's my way of saying that, like the beauty of ethical fashion is I think it challenges you to think along the lines of what you're saying is that you don't need a lot of quality quantity. You need a lot of quality and you need a lot of quality that makes you feel great about whatever that is. And um, personally, I mean, I live by this rule that I adhere my clients to. So in the winter, I got two pair of Ponty knit pants from a company called Brass. They're Boston based, much more expensive than anyone, you know, would normally spend. And I wore those two black pants all winter. I would rotate them during the week. And that was it. I survived all, on two pairs of great black pants. That's all you need. That's all you need. And, and you know, the thing about the thing about this is the thing about ethical fashion, which I will say I'm not excited about is it's not accessible right now. $30 for a t-shirt. That's how much the Bridges Not Walls tees cost. That's not too extravagant because you can go in Zara and their t-shirts are 35. I'm thinking for the men and for the women as well. But many other, and Tonley is good with this too. They have stuff that's accessible that you can get with a, you know, with a decent budget you're able to get, but you know, Adidas comes out with shoes and they're all made out of plastic bottles and I'm excited. I say, all right, I'm going to go online and look at them. There were $220. I'm not going to spend $220 on that right now. I, I just can't with my budget, with my finances. And so I think as more people invest in it though, obviously prices will be driven down, right? As the supply goes up, you know, hopefully the price points come we down. We would hope. I mean, my former that's what employer, we Eileen Fisher, you know, the price is just going up, up, up. It's a brand that's now becoming not accessible to the common working woman. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is, and we won't get into this in this podcast because we could be on here for an hour, but size is a huge issue. Not, I know this isn't as hot a topic for men as it is for women, but when you're a sustainable brand and you only go to size 10, I'm a woman that's a size 16. So I can't get into a lot of sustainable brands because they're not producing what they call in the marketplace plus size when most American women range from 16 to 18. That's the average American woman size. So we have size exclusivity showing up in the sustainable market that we need to address. And that's a whole other podcast. Yeah, but no, but that, but that makes sense, but that's all intersectional. You know, you can't be saying, um, you're, you're doing something for everyone or trying to be all inclusive. If it's too expensive for 90% of the people, if it doesn't fit the other 90% or 90% of the people. Um, and so, yeah, that's something that I think we, we also struggle with too, because we also have to, you know, keep this thing moving forward and shipping has gone up 15% mm-hmm. since I started this. Um, and I'm still charging the same. Um, and so it's, it is, it is a real struggle, but I hear you. Yeah. It has to be inclusive It does from the price point to the fit and feel to the size, you know, this, the size availability and stuff. 
So, yeah. you know, we're, we're getting there. We're not 100%. I'll tell you, the bag is in the studio right now, and that's a one-size-fits-all, people. So everyone needs to jump off this. Get online, get your bag. Get online, get online, get your bag, the Planet Over Plastic Bag. It's, uh, like I said, it was inspired by a plastic ocean. And I think, you know, that's that's one of the ways that I have conversations with people here on the North Shore about anything ethical is that our oceans at the end of the day, that's our lifeline. And Beverly is so beautiful because it has an ocean, right? I can go down to the beach and I can look out and I don't want to look out and see plastic because I've looked out on oceans um, on the Guatemalan coast and seen the Pacific and there's plastic. You don't want to go in it. It's not exciting from a financial standpoint, the property value goes down. Um, from a health standpoint, it's just everywhere and it gets into like everything. And so I kind of, I kind of drifted off a little bit, but it, you know, the idea of sharing that message planted over plastic is super, super, super important. And the idea of using the bag every day that you're going to the market, but you're also supporting this larger, uh, larger issue because your dollars are going to yeah, totally. That. Totally. It's, it's really cool that you could be having that bag and you're on the North shore. And part of the storyline of that bag is that there are, uh, the team members are primarily women, but that, that there's a lot of people in Cambodia that are eating better at night because you've decided to do that. And that is the whole, you know, uh, you know, think global, act local right there in just a bag. Well, let's close up the podcast and just say a few words about community, because I think what you're talking about is the global community and how we all participate. So just kind of give us your inspiration around that. Wow. That's a, that's a good one. Um, I, um, I'm good, Jared. that's a, that's a really good one. <laughs> um, I, I've, I've, I've been fortunate enough in my life to do a good amount of traveling at least all throughout the Americas. And I will just say that no matter where I go, everyone wants the same thing. They want a better life for their children. That's it whether it's buying ethical fashion, whether it's cutting down on your single-use plastic, whatever it is, all of these things have impacts and it's just up to you to decide whether you want to be a positive impact or a negative impact in the community. And the, the truth is everyone wants to be a positive impact. You know, everyone wants to help others um, and support other people. I'm not sure if that's the right answer, but I guess community for me is a tough one for me to, to me to personally answer due to the fact that, that I, you know, I, I'm a dual citizen and I have all these things, but I think community f for me in Beverly and on the North shore is, is, is where I see people, everyone helping one another. Cause there's so much going on. There's so much just positive, positive things happen. And I think community breaks down when people aren't willing to support other people. And this is, you know, this is just not seeing the, the, the humanity and other people's struggles, whatever that may be. Um, you know, so on the North shore, you know, if you see someone on the street, maybe try to see how you could help them. If there's any way to support them in that exact, in that exact way, if there's, and if there's any ever an injustice or something that you feel on the inside, that's not right. Um, you know, adding positive and adding, adding good things to the community will always be better. Yeah. And Jared and I met through a community, uh, networking organization that was founded by one of Jared's friends and, you know, these people are great. It's it's called the Next Gen. You know, these these folks are like 20 years younger than I am, but they embraced me because I have the same mental mindset and positive attitude toward community. I'm still working with a bunch of members there. So community shows up in a lot of places. And if you're into your community and you're willing to actively listen and be open-minded, great things are going to happen. From meeting one person, I met Jarrett. He's on the podcast. Everybody's buying the product. It's just, it's all good. 
yeah. all good long-term. The Next Gen Network is great. And I'm glad we were able to talk about them because that's how we were able to meet. Uh, and Jackie's doing great things with them. And I think that may actually help me answer because I don't think I answered that question very well about community, but that is because it is really convoluted for me. But what she's doing is exactly community to me. It's people getting together that live locally that are just trying to make the place a better place, period. And whatever you bring to the table, you bring. And they're they're all sharing and listening and it's just great. So that's, I don't know, that's really the kernel in all this. Work your local community, work it hard, support it, and then look for ways that those intersections can go global. So yeah. Jarrett, give us your contact info because I know people are gonna wanna reach out to you after this, after hearing this. Okay, great. So you can either direct message me on Instagram and that's at Imperador Clothing, uh, E-M-P-E-R-A-D-O-R Clothing, or you can go to our website, imperadorclothing.com uh, or wearchangenow.com. And you can just hit the contact and write me a message and I will get back to you as quick as I can. And everybody knows where to reach me at lastwardrobe.com. Let's connect and create your signature style together. To find out more about Lisa's sustainable style, check out lasswardrobe.com.